I guess. I don't know what they were singing in that song. Was it good? Something about ugly. Everybody ugly. So why why they play that before I come up here? <laughs> Them people are blind, man. What, what do you all think of Pastor Lou? A couple of weeks ago, we tried out with some rap for the um, for the youth talent show, and he turned us down. You're crazy, Lou. That joint was fire, man. We, we got that funky Jesus music, and, and he turned us down. Boom. Anyway, after all that, I'm going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 2, and I'm going to ask um, Richie to come up and help me. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 14. Good morning, church. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death. To the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Let us pray for the message. Dear Lord, we thank you today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, as we continue our worship in hearing and obeying your word, Lord, that you have prepared Pastor Gary to deliver your message to your people, Lord, and that your message may not be void, Lord, that it may be received and it may be shared with everyone. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know what the scripture said? That you smell like God. You've, you've got the Spirit of God in you, and because of that, everywhere you go, you bring the perfume of heaven with you. So you know what that means? When, when, when you meet a pers- somebody who's a Christian or somebody who's seeking God, just your presence begins to release life to them. I, I can be in the mall somewhere walking around depressed, and all of a sudden I can meet someone from the church. They don't have to say a word. And all of a sudden I start to feel encouraged because somewhere in my spirit the smell of heaven starts to come through that person. That's why Peter in the book of Acts all he did was walk by people, and the word says that his shadow healed the sick. It wasn't about his shadow. It was about the spirit in him 
that even when he passed by, he brought healing. And as a child of God, if you've got the Holy Spirit in you, everywhere you go, you step in a room and the atmosphere changes. So to those who, who are Christians, you're, you're, just your presence is like a sweet-smelling perfume in the Spirit. But it's just the opposite. When you run into those who hate God, those who are rebelling against God, those who want nothing to do with God, the Word says you're like the smell of death. In other words, don't be surprised if people don't want to hang around with you anymore. Because you know what happens? Those people who say they don't want God, oh, there's no Jesus. Somewhere inside, they know that God is real, they, but they don't want to have to change their lifestyle. They don't, they don't want to have to make the commitment, the sacrifice. So when you're around them, you remind them that there's something missing in their life. I, I, when I, I used to be a teacher before I was in ministry, and sometimes at lunchtime they'd be having a discussion. I remember one time I took out my Bible to, oh, I got a scripture for that. And this one teacher started screaming, please, no, don't read that. See, the Word of God, the presence of God can be torment to those who don't want God. Even, even in the news, there's um, the New York Jets, they got a player, Tim Tebow, you might have heard of. And he's a man of God. He says, football is secondary. I'm put on the earth to bring glory to God. He, spent, he feeds orphans. He takes all his money, gives it to the poor. But when they talk about him in the news or on the sports channel, they don't talk about the football there's just such a, I just see people enraged with a football play. Why do people get so angry? I was watching ESPN and this one, one commentator, he got so mad, he got up angry and they had to get him to sit down. Why about a football player? Because Tim Tebow carries the fragrance of heaven and the world hates that fragrance. So if you're a people pleaser, I'm telling you now, you're in trouble. I, I remember when I was a teacher, they had a party in the school, and they invited every teacher but me because they knew if I show up, they don't, I ain't going to like their cursing, their carrying on, their drinking. Let him stay home because I was like the smell of death to them. So... You start to you have to start to develop the mindset that you're not here to please God, to please man. You're not here to please people, because I'm telling you now, the people who used to like to hang around with you, they, you're going to make them mad now. They're going to say, "You think you're too good for me? Why are they saying that? Because they hate that spirit in you." Verse 17, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. See, you could carry around the fragrance of heaven, but if you're in it for compromise, if those preachers, it says, who are out to, to make money off the gospel... You're like the stench of death. Your, your ministry, your life is a stench before God. 
See, the world is looking for truth. The world is looking for something real. I'm telling you, I turn on the TV, sometimes Christian TV, and all they want to do is sell all the oils and the perfume. There's some of them say, well, we'll pray for you, but just send in $100 with your prayer request. It's like the smell of death to me coming through the TV. So what Paul is saying, if you want to, if, if you want to represent God, We can't live in compromise. The Word of God is not for sale. God, it says sincere. What does sincere mean? God is looking for authenticity. God wants people who are going to be real, not people who are going to be controlling, manipulative. But the world is looking for church. The world is looking for pastors and leaders who have a heart full of love, and they are who they say they are. So I'm going to go now to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ. The result of our ministry, not written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Here's what Paul was saying to the church. He wrote this in the letter to the Corinthians. He said, "When I, this is a putting it in modern day terms. If I go to look for another job as a pastor, I don't need a letter of recommendation. I don't need a reference letter because you are my reference letter. He's saying when people see your lives, they're going to know the, the value of my ministry. But see, this sounds very strange to me because we've been going through the book of Corinthians And every week, Paul is rebuking these people for something else. He says, you got disorder in your church, compromise. These people were filled with pride. They were selfish, immature, divisive, out of control. But yet Paul said, you are like a, I'm proud of you. You are like a letter that's written to to the world on your hearts, not just a physical letter with ink. What what does that mean? Why would Paul say that you're like a letter of recommendation to people who constantly mess up, constantly he got to correct them, rebuke them, challenge them? That's encouraging to me because you know what that means? Even in my immaturity, even when I don't have it together, even when, when I'm lagging behind, Even in my immaturity and failure, my life is still pleasing to God. I'm going to ask Pastor George to come up right now because he's in the similar situation to, to Paul the Apostle. He planted this church. And week after week, I hear Pastor George up here bringing correction, saying, no, this got to change, bringing rebuke in, in different ways. So I, I'm just going to ask Pastor George, just come and get your pastor on for a second. Gary, that joint is fire. 
Listen, as we've been going through through First and Second Corinthians, we, we hear Paul talking about that. And, and the more I read and the more we study and the more we share, the more I understand Paul's heart for the church. The more I understand and I say, I, I know where Paul's coming from. I see the heart that Paul has for the church in the city because God has given me that heart for the church in the city. And so I, I just want to tell you as a, as a church... I'm so proud of you guys. Listen, when, when God used us to plant this, there is, we could never have imagined, we never imagined this. You could ask the little team that we started with, my, my little youth ministry team, we would never have imagined having this, meeting all of you guys, having, having just the love and the, the passion and the, 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 what's in this place. But there's a verse that I love. God says, Praise be, the word says, praise be to God who can do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. What does immeasurably mean? More than you can measure. How many, how many of you just, you need that word today? God, God, the, the God that does immeasurably more than I can ask. So church, I just want to tell you, I am so proud of you guys. I love the way you worship. I love the way we have to, we have to stop worship because, because otherwise you guys will keep going and going. I love that when they stop singing, you keep singing. I love that, that I, I just love the hunger and the passion that, that we've seen growing and developing. I love, listen, I love that, that up here on any given Sunday, there's men. Church, I love the men in this church. I love that, that you men are showing our children that it's okay to come forward, that it's okay to raise your hands, that it's okay to, to shout, to scream, to cry if you have to. I love that, that there's strong men in this church. So men, men, I'm proud of you guys, man. I loved the last Sunday there was a young brother, he came up, and then before I know it, there was another brother next to him hugging him, and then before I knew it, there was another brother hugging him next to him, and there was like a bro fest going on up in the front, and, and we're like, man, that's men right there. That's men, amen? To me, that, that looked... To me, I, I saw them in camouflage. I saw them with rifles on their back. I saw men's men. I saw soldiers standing up when somebody was wounded, maybe. Somebody was hurting that day. And, and this guy said, come on, man. I got this side. And another brother said, come on, man. I got this side. And then another guy came behind and said, man, I'm, I'm just going to encourage you as you guys carry him and go. And it was, I, I love the men of this church, so I'm proud of you guys. I love that we... Love our children in this place. I love that we have children worshiping and children ushering and children preaching. And I love that none of us stand here and judge them or critique them, but that we love them and encourage them. I love you for that, man. Listen, I know I beat you guys up a lot on Sunday. I know, you know, we, 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 we encourage, we rebuke, we, we correct, and, but, but I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud of you guys. I love also how you guys are flipping it on Facebook. I love that. I love how we're learning to, 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 to make things that we post matter. We still got some work to do there, right? Amen? But I love that we're growing, man. I'm just proud of you guys. And so I just want to tell you, as your pastor, I'm humbled. 
and I'm so overwhelmingly pleased with you. I love you, church. And do you know that that's the heart of God? That even before you've got it all together, God takes pleasure and delight in you? That the love and the beauty and the grace of God shines through you, even, even in your mess? So I'm, I'm going to go now to verse 4. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are confident in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our confidence comes from God. He has made us confident confident as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And the first thing it's saying is that God has made every one of you competent as a minister, which first of all means here in the church, whatever God calls you to do, you don't have to turn it down because God has qualified you. But I don't believe that's only for church. Because we serve God, the Word says, everywhere we go. If, if you're a parent and you feel like you don't have what it takes, you don't have the right background, the right training, you are qualified. God has made you competent as a parent. You can outshine your neighbors as a parent, even if you grew up abused. Because the Spirit of God has qualified you. He's qualified you to be a husband or a wife. Even if you never had a godly example, you can be a loving husband. This is true at work, too. If you're at a job and you just can't get it, and you feel like you're not qualified for the job, I just decree that you are made competent and qualified. There's nothing that you can't do because it's not about you. It's all about the Spirit of God living in you. And it's not just about church. It means you are competent and qualified every, in every area of your life. You are a great parent, a great worker, a great wife, husband, minister. Whatever you put your mind to, God is giving you the ability to do it. But it says, as ministers, and what is it saying? Every one of us is a minister. It's not just about a few pastors, but every one of you has a calling on your life to do the work of the ministry. But we don't minister by the letter of the law. The letter of the law kills, but the spirit of the law gives life. What what does it mean, the letter of the law? It means I take literally the Bible, what it the do's and don'ts. I could stand here and preach them at you and tear you to pieces. I could kill your spirit right now just by preaching the letter of the law. The Bible says we got to give and and visit the sick and, and feed the poor. Well, if you didn't feed the poor this week, you didn't visit any sick people, maybe you're not right with God. The, the, the Bible says we got to give our best to God. Well, how come you're not dressed in a suit today? You should be doing your best. You should be wearing your best. I could take that letter of the law, and I can just stand here and destroy you. 
because the letter of the law kills. And I'm going to give you my favorite example of that from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Speaking to women, it says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. I could take that verse and preach you the letter of the law and say, God says, you women, you can't have jewelry, makeup. you got to wear old, ugly clothes. And they'll tell you that in a lot of churches. Don't do your hair. You're going to hell. That's the... That's the letter of the law, and it'll kill you, and it's not what God wants spoken. What, what, is the, what is the heart of what's being said? The spirit of the law for the women is not that you can't look nice or wear jewelry or make up your hair or enjoy how you look. What it's saying is let your beauty, let the definition of who you are not come from the way that you dress or the way that you look. But your beauty comes from the spiritual life that you live. See, that's, that's the spirit of the law. But so many people could tear you up and say, No, you're not a real woman of God. What are you doing here? You get, you get that jewelry off. See, that's death. I, I, I run for my life as soon as I walk into church and start hearing that kind of junk. Because you could take off your jewelry, undo your hair, come and wear long, plain dresses, never wear makeup, and you could still be filled with hell. Because that, the letter of the law is not the thing that's going to change you. But rather, what did Jesus say? If you love the Lord with all your heart and might and soul, and you love others as yourself, that's the spirit of the Lord. In other words, I'm not going to lie to you because I care about you too much. I love you too much to gossip against you. What is it called? The law of love. I, I, you know that I, I've seen where churches will tell a woman who's be, a wife being physically horribly abused. Well, the Word says that God hates divorce, so you just stay with your husband. If he kills you, he kills you. The letter of the law will destroy you. When we know that the heart of God is life, God values human life, but the letter of the law, people who carry that religious spirit, they hate life. So I want to encourage you as you speak to each other. Some of you are called to be ministers, and you minister the spirit of the law because I can, we can easily tear each other up all day. But the spirit of the law brings life. First Peter chapter, no, I'm going to go now down to verse 7. Actually, I'll just explain what it says. You know, this morning I was in 7-Eleven, and I saw this mother and son fighting. And the son kept saying, I don't want to go to church. 
The mother says, no, you got to go to church. The son says, but they all hate me there. They laugh at me. They make fun of me. I don't want to go. The mother said, but you got to go. You're the pastor. <laughs> anyway, I'm down to verse 7. That had to be funny because even Bert was laughing that time. Speak, verse 7, it starts speaking of, again about the Old Testament. See, when you read the Old Testament laws, that, the Old Testament, it brings death. Not because it's bad, but because not one of you can keep it. If you want to make yourself righteous or justified by God because you think you can do a good enough job, you're just fooling yourself. When, you, when I read the Old Testament laws, and you can't do this, and you got to do this, and on this day that, you know what I say? I need the mercy and the grace of God. I can't do it. Why? And that's what it was meant for. The Old Testament was, it was written to show you that you can't do it. You can't fulfill it. It takes a Savior. It takes one who would die for you and show you grace and mercy. That's the only way I can stand here right now. And it says that Moses, who wrote the Old Testament, there was a glory to him. Because when he went and stood up on the mountain before God, the Bible says that his face was shining with the presence and the glory of God so that when he came down off the mountain, he had to put a veil over his face because his face was shining so bright. And that was in the Old Testament that's dying. The Old Testament that passed away, it showed that there was presence of God in it. There was the glory of God in it. I'm going to go down to, to verse 16. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate, the King James Version says, or behold, the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In other words, the Old Testament had the glory so that even Moses put a veil over his face. And you know what it's saying? How much more should you as the New Testament church shine forth in this dark world with the glory of God that the very essence of who God is would shine from your face everywhere that you go? You are a carrier of the very presence and glory of God everywhere that you go. God has called you to be the light in the darkness. And you know what the Word said? As we behold God, see, that's why worship is so important. Bert did a teaching Wednesday night about the importance of being in God's presence and worshiping. Why? Because as I look at him, 
It says I'm being transformed into his image. As I focus on him, as I come into his presence, do you want to be changed? You're changed by, by looking and examining God's emotions towards you. And what did, what did we say? God's emotions towards you is even in your immaturity, your mess, your failure, that he loves you, that you are valuable to him, and you are being transformed so that you can walk with your head held high and the very glory comes through you. You don't walk up to people with your head down. This is what I used to think. Oh, I'm so humble. I'm just going to walk around bent over and I can't do anything. You, you walk over to anyone. You look them right in the face because there's greatness in you. You're carrying the presence and the glory of God. You don't back down from people. There's nobody better than you. But let me tell you, there's one thing that's going to rob that glory from you, to get you to, it's going to steal the glow of peace and joy that's supposed to be on your face. And it says in Job 10:15, Job said, If I am guilty, woe to me. Even if I am innocent, I cannot lift my head, for I am full of shame and drowned in affliction. As a pastor, I counsel one person after another in the church that, that walks in shame and rejection. You feel rejected. You feel like you're not good enough. That's the strategy of the enemy against you to get you to put your head down. And I'll tell you right now, I've struggled with that my whole life. I don't remember if I told this story, but a few years ago I was at one of these pastors' meetings, and they invited all the pastors to come to the front. And I just stood in the back. I said, no, they just want all the real pastors. I didn't feel worthy. I felt like garbage. I'm not a real pastor. And you know what? The Lord spoke to me, and he said, if you're going to have that attitude, I'm not going to be able to use you anymore. Because the right attitude is that with God, there's nothing that I can't do. That's true humility. In me, there's no good thing. But in God, there's got to be a boldness in you to stand up. Because you are worthy. You are valuable. You are precious. You are a treasure in this kingdom. But yet, so many of us were struggling with our identity. And I asked Pastor Mark to come up because I want to show you. Some of you think that people are pastors and leaders. They got, we got all together emotionally. And I asked him just to share a little bit of his testimony in this area. Amen. Many, many of you know I share this all the time. I live a, a I, I feel like most of my life was a lie because I lived, I lived, a, a, you know, because of abuse and, and how I was raised. I lived a life of fear. I lived a life of being scared of trying everything. I was one of those walking around with my head down. And, 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 and I remember being in ministry still being like that. And I remember, and I, remember I, I used to struggle and ask God, why, God, why? 
I, I believe in you. I believe what you, in your word. I believe what you say. And, and, but it seemed like nothing was coming past. It, it, it seemed like uh, it, it seemed like what I was believing, it, it was unbelievable, if that makes any sense. But I had to get to a point where where I, 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 I it was like, it doesn't matter why or why not. I had to change my way of thinking. I had to change. I had to change. I didn't, because I believed, but I, was I really believing in what I believed in? You know, I had to get to a point where I had to grow up. I had to get to a point where, um, I, I, where I was like, I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter what I'm feeling. It doesn't matter what I went through. I had to get to the point where, even still, even if I'm sick of not really believing, I'm sick of doubting myself. I was sick of living in fear. I was sick of people telling me all these promises that the Bible and God says in His Word, and and I believe in those promises. But was I really believing? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't real to me. Totally real. And I had to get to a point where I was so desperate for those promises. I had to say to myself, enough is enough. I had to tell myself and say, listen, it says I'm more of a conqueror. Well, how could I, how could I believe that and say that and walk my head down? How could I feel ashamed and feel, and feel like I'm, I'm less than? I had to get to a point where, no, I am greater than what I feel. I'm not what they used to say I am. I'm not what they said I was going to be. So I, so, so the, the competitive in, in me came out. I was like, you know what? I'm going to prove a lot of people wrong. I'm going to prove the enemy wrong. I'm going to prove whoever raised me like that wrong. I'm going to prove. I'm going to prove them so wrong. I'm going to make them feel. When, when they look at me, they're gonna, when they see my shadow, it's going to be different because I'm going to be different. And, and I had to say, I say, you know what? It's going to be different because I am different. I had to speak as if it was now. Not that I'm going to be different. No, I am different. So because I am different, I'm going to walk with my head up. I'm going to walk different. I'm going to live this differently. I'm going to speak different. I'm going to act different. Amen? And then you start, to, you start to notice where you are. You're changing. And, and, and you don't notice at the moment, but it's God changing you. And when you allow, when you live your life like that, and you and you recognize that, wow, not only God is real, He's got He's real in me. I used to think, well, God is real, but God is real in George, God is real in Gary, God is real in everybody else. But you know what? He's real, but He's not real in me. And I had to come to a point where, wait a minute, He is real in me. Wait a minute. People can, I can be healed when I pray. People can't be, because look, the enemy has to flee when I pray. I started saying, listen, sometimes we pray too many prayers that we don't believe what we're praying. And we need to get to the point where we need to believe what we pray. We need to live what we believe. Amen? And so I walk now, listen, I, if you knew me there, I, I'm, I'm really shy. I know it's hard to believe. I hate speaking. If you knew me back then, you would know what I'm talking about. I don't like this. I, I don't like this. I don't like, I don't like responsibility because it holds too much weight and I, it stresses me out. I can't handle it because I feel like I'm going to fail people. And if there's one thing I hate doing is failing people. 
But no, I got to a point where, no, God created me to be responsible. He created me to, and strong enough so I could hold that burden and, and hold and walk. And I do what I do proudly. And I stand here before you, not liking this, but I stand humble that I'm able to share with you that, listen, God is great. When I say God is great, He is great because I'm nothing like I was. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm just going to end with one more scripture. I don't mind people checking their watches, Ephraim, but when they start shaking them to see if they're still working, it means I better hurry. Psalm 34, verse 4. And this is really the last scripture. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. And when I was preparing this, the Lord showed me there's a lot of you who would be sitting here today. You hate who you are. Some of you have a self-hatred. Some of you, you hate how you look. You hate how your weight. You think you're not smart enough. You're not good enough. Because the definition of shame It's not that I did something wrong, but there's something wrong with me. I'm a mistake. And I want to tell you, not one of you is a mistake. Every one of you, you you carry the beauty of God in you. You are good enough. You are valuable. So I'm going to ask you to stand right now. I'm going to ask CJ to come. Because one of the last scriptures I read... And if the ushers could come and help me with this. It says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that doesn't only mean freedom to dance and jump and sing, although that's included. But it means there's freedom to love yourself. Did you know that? That you need to love yourself. The Bible says love others as you love yourself. And too many of you, you can't love others because you hate who you are. You say, I struggled with this my whole life, never, never feeling good enough, never feeling worthy. And to this day, I still struggle with it. So in, in a second, CJ's going to begin to sing the song. But if you're like me, if you're like Pastor Mark, you've, you've been struggling with that, with rejection. You've struggled with shame. You've, been, you've struggled with self-identity. I, I want to do a, what's called a prophetic act. We, we have here some pictures of water. Water is a... Is a is a, is a prophetic picture of the Holy Spirit. They're going to come for those of you who are going to be honest enough to get free today. And I don't want one of you to go home feeling in your, the same rejection you came in. Because it'll steal you. It'll rob your destiny, your emotions, that feeling that you're never good enough. You don't have to take that home with you today. I don't want to take it home with me one more day. I'm getting free today myself. I'm just going to invite you. They're going to pour some water just on your hand. And just as a symbolic act, 
if you could just take a little and put it on your face because what did the word say that if you look to God he'll remove your shame and your face will shine forth with the radiance of the very glory the essence the peace the joy the presence of the living God So for those of you who are not just going to stand there and look cool, I, what the scripture said, God is looking for honest, authentic people. People who are going to say, I got a problem, I need help, but I'm getting free today. So if that's you, I'm going to invite you just to begin to come forward right now. And just let them pour some of the water and you wipe just begin to wash that shame off your face. God is making your face radiant today. And I'm going to ask those in the prayer team to come. And we're not going to pray for them. You just stand here and you make declarations over them. You say, you are beautiful. You are wonderful. So especially those in the, the worship team. gifted in the glory. I want you, Ephraim, I want all your people, just to, as people come, just declare over them. You, you are wonderful in God.
God, we just want to say thank you. God bless you. Uh, at the same time, remember next Sunday is our Easter service. But this week, remember and, and reflect on what the cross really means to you. If God has been good to you, then 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 be a light, be uh, be His glory. Let His glory shine through you this week. All right. So just go out there and be a blessing to someone. And remember next week, please don't come alone, but bring someone who really needs to see God and encounter God in a new way. You guys be blessed. And